You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Beck Horridge. I'd like to pay my respects to country and to all the elders, past and present, who've been part of the struggle for so long for sovereignty and self-determination. This Earth Matters was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and the Gambri peoples in Canberra. It has to be on the desk of the Prime Minister of the country if koalas are going to be sent extinct, or swift parrots, or Carnaby's cockatoo, or any other creature. Margaret Blakers, on why legal responsibility for the environment must ultimately remain with the federal government and not be handed over to the states, as the Morrison government is insisting. Margaret will be on later in the show. The school strikers are back. The school strike for climate, also known as Fridays for Future, is an international movement of school students who skip Friday's classes to participate in demonstrations, to demand action from political leaders. It began after Swedish schoolgirl Greta Thunberg staged a protest in 2018 outside the Swedish parliament, holding a sign that read, School Strike for Climate. A global strike on the 15th of March 2019 gathered more than a million strikers and during 2019, the strikes gathered momentum. And now, the school strikes rise again. I met school strikers Jimmy and Rosie. I'm a school striker, have been for a couple years now. My name is Jimmy and my pronouns are he, him. And I'm here with Rosie. Hi, uh, I'm Rosie. I use she, her pronouns. I go to Dixon College. And I'm also a school striker here with School Strike for Climate Canberra. Well, today we are here on the Lawns of Parliament House protesting against the proposed gas-led recovery by the Morrison government. We are protesting against that and advocating for a transition to 100% renewables instead. This is an unusual sort of protest and different to protests that we've done in the past uh, because of the unusual uh, and unforeseen circumstances of COVID-19. So instead of big marches, we're doing this uh, socially distanced rally, presenting posters and placards at the lawns of Parliament House that people would normally bring to the protest. We're bringing them right here to Parliament. I'm here on the lawns of Parliament House, a protest lawns, a school strike, Friday the 25th of September. And there are some people here doing things on a table. I don't have any thin ones that are long enough. What are you doing here? Uh, We are putting uh, uh, sticks into posters so that we can put them up on the lawns. What are the placards about? Placards are protesting the gas-led recovery. Most of them are about stopping gas uh, because it's bad. This proposed gas-led recovery, the idea of it, do you think it's fair for young people, that, as an idea for Australia? I don't really think it's fair at all because uh, Australia is the perfect country for renewables to be built and gas isn't a necessary part of energy creation to transition to 100% renewables. So by using gas, we're just creating more emissions that uh, don't need to be there, that can easily be avoided with uh, renewables that we can build and invest in now using the COVID recovery funds. And uh, if we're not doing that, we're really jeopardising our future. Why do you think the government wants to put a lot of money now into trying to get the gas industry going? 
Because they're getting money for it. Because they get money that way, they get richer, and it's the easiest way where they have to spend the least. Yeah, gas uh, plans is a way for the government to make a quick buck that isn't really sustainable in the long term. And like Jimmy said, uh, there's lots of behind-the-scenes funding going on by these gas and fossil fuel companies. Also, there hasn't been a moment in time where there hasn't been a fossil fuel worker in the parliament behind the scenes. Each party has that fossil fuel worker constantly whispering in their ear, telling them to support fossil fuels. What sort of a future do you want to see in Australia? What sort of an energy structure do you think we should be creating? I think investing in 100% renewables and transitioning to 100% renewables by 2030 uh, is the goal that we need to be aiming for. Uh, 100% renewables will ensure a drop in our carbon emissions and help meet the Paris Climate Agreement. Yep, we need 100% renewables and we need to support a just transition for all workers in the fossil fuel sector to a greener and cleaner job option because currently that is the only job option they have and that's what continues to keep the fossil fuels running. I think we also need to listen to First Nations people, Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, uh, listen to their care for country because they have cared for the country for millennia and we should be listening to their advice and not violating on their country and uh, excavating things from the ground on their sacred uh, places. How long have you been engaged in climate campaigning for now? How many years or months? Uh, Well, I've been attending climate protests and actions for a couple of years now, but I have only recently joined the School Strike for Climate committee a few months ago. How do you feel about that this issue takes up your time? I've had issues with that as a campaigner for many years, that there was other things I would have actually liked to have done with my life. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I I find it upsetting that so many kids have to grow up and be the adults and that I've had basically had my childhood taken from me where I have to grow up quickly and take the place that the adults in the world aren't taking. I've had to miss out on on my school, on my learning, so that I can do the job that the adults are meant to be doing. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree with Jimmy. It's a shame that we have to give up a lot of that, a lot of our time to fight for this, but it is a sacrifice that so many of us are willing to make and feel that we need to make to fight for this change that we need to happen. What have you learned since you got engaged with these issues? What are you learning about the world, about yourself? I've been learning about a lot of the science regarding climate change and also just a lot of a lot of the ins and outs of the issues like it's definitely is a complex issue with many sides and many opinions to navigate yeah just learning a lot more about the issue and uh, different strategies that have been proposed the different sides of arguments uh, what's working what isn't and how to effectively communicate uh, with people to encourage them to fight against climate change And what do you think is the biggest obstacle to achieving your goals? The people who just really don't understand. There are people who will always have opposing views to you and they'll often hide them as their opinions. But I think when it comes to lives, there are no opinions. It's right and wrong. And there are always people who are going to be wrong.
what would you say are some of the challenges? Yeah, um, like Jimmy said, there are some uh, some big obstacles of people, yeah, quite set in their mindsets. I think a lot of it has to do uh, with, again, yeah, making a quick buck, uh, trying to, yeah, just get that money and, and win favour. Whereas long term, uh, it is not at all sustainable. And we really need to uh, look at the bigger picture and look to the future and see how it will greatly impact our future if we don't act now. And you're doing this, being climate strikers and activists, even though you're still at school. What are the moments that give you the most joy when you you've the most hope? I mean, what sort of drives you in this? Um, when I see my friends here and lots of other people here and when I see change happening, when, when on September 20th last year we had 15,000 people there, when the government told us it was a stretch to ask for 10,000, the local government told us we wouldn't get that and we got, we got almost triple what we were hoping for. And it, just when you see all those people come out and support you, and when you see actual change happening. Very cold and windy and rainy. Thanks so much for talking to Earth Matters. We wish you the best. We're standing beside you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. School strikers, Jimmy and Rosie. When it seems like the world's gone crazy and is moving too fast, it can be reassuring to talk to somebody who's been around for quite a long time. Margaret Blakers has long been campaigning for our forests. She was founder and first director of the Green Institute, former convener of the Global Greens and co-founder of the Victorian Greens and now works with the Women's Environmental Leadership Australia. I sought Margaret Blaker's advice about what's next in the fast-moving story to save our forests and other ecosystems. She explained why the regional forest agreements must now be over calls for a referendum on the environment and stares down the gas-led recovery, calling it stupid. I'm here in the home of Margaret Blakers. What's happening in the forests now? There's been a lot going on. There certainly has. In fact, it's it's quite quite a pivotal year, I think, 2020. We've seen just in the last few weeks an amazing win in the what we call the possums case, the Victorian case that uh, Friends of Leadbeater's possum took against Vic Forests, the Victorian logging agency. That's now being appealed, but um, that doesn't take away from the fact that it was an absolutely extraordinary win. And at this point, partly in response to that, or perhaps wholly in response to it, Bunnings has uh, decided not to stock timber that is derived from public forests in Victoria that are managed by Vic Forests. The other thing that's happened... several other things actually. The EPA in New South Wales has suddenly sprung into action over the last month or two and issued stop work orders, which it's virtually never done before in its entire history. But the logging in the forests in New South Wales that were burnt in last summer's fires, which is absolutely outrageous that there's any logging going on there at all. But in south of Sydney, it's actually pretty much stopped at the moment because the EPA has issued stop work orders or prevented logging in areas where there was evidence of lots of breaches of the logging rules. And at the same time in Tasmania, we've now got a second federal court case against the Tasmanian and Commonwealth governments about the regional forest agreements. So it's 
got a different basis from the possum's case, the Victorian one, but it's another attack on the regional forest agreements and the sort of open slather that they give to state government agencies to log in native forests and destroy species, habitats, forests, places of beauty, (laughs) animals, plants, everything. How have we got to this point? Well, a lot of what's going on at the moment is to do with the regional forest agreements, which are these Commonwealth state deals, which allow the states to decide everything about native forest logging and lock the Commonwealth out of the whole picture. And regional forest agreements, RFAs, they date back to the end of the 1990s and early 2000s. So they're now 20 years and upwards old. But in the last two or three years, they've all now been extended in effect perpetually, the effect of which is to lock the Commonwealth out of having any say or wanting any say in what happens in native forests that are open for logging. Now, the regional forest agreements go back to the mid-1990s when the some people may remember the log blockade around Parliament House in Canberra, which the loggers brought their log trucks to town Paul Keating was effectively blockaded into Parliament House and basically said, I want this solved. We're going to have regional forest agreements. The states are going to look after logging. Commonwealth is out of here. And that's where we got them. That also is a kind of pivotal point because the reason why the Commonwealth was there in the first place goes back to the Whitlam government in the 1970s when the environment for the first time became a federal issue up to that point. Basically, it didn't exist as as an issue, of course, and there's nothing in the constitution about it. So the states were responsible for the environment through managing land use and development applications and all those kinds of things. But the Whitlam government brought in environment legislation, appointed an environment minister, and from then, so early to mid-1970s, right through to the regional forest agreement decision, the Commonwealth took more and more interest and control. And of course, in the process of that, there was the Franklin Dam decision in 1983, which confirmed that the Commonwealth had all the legislative powers that it required to take responsibility for the environment. But from the mid-1990s through the regional forest agreements in the first instance, the Commonwealth has been running backwards as fast as it can go to get out of having any responsibility, and the coalition government in particular which uh, they attempted in 2012 or 13 to hand back the environment to the states as its responsibility. They failed at that point, and now they're having another go. And that's what the current round of amendments to the EPBC Act is about. And the regional forest agreements are really crucial in this because they are the model for what's about to be extended to every other aspect of the environment. So if the Commonwealth can hand power over to the states in an RFA-like arrangement, then the Commonwealth gets itself out from under politically. It's certainly not proposing to spend any money on it. So it saves money, it saves political face, puts the environment back to the states, and it's a complete disaster all round. I believe we all came to be here for a reason. 
To acknowledge the seniors, everything has a season. This season is warm, but it's bringing a storm and a burning urge for our journey to transform. But held in our hand at this grave intersection is a map of the passage for a clearer direction to a permanent culture. It's time we began it with some wise design to realign with the planet. Share skills to rebuild our combined reliance and with wild guidance redesign our diet. Befriend energy descent and the change in climate to grow forests of food and a finer environment. Culture. At this tumultuous juncture is a superstructure that can plug the puncture In a society of anxiety, confusion and greed This really may be one solution we need To bring back our elementary essence of ethics And walk in earth care, people care, fair share epic Now's the time to embed it while the temperature's tepid Let us rise as a choir beside the people who Music is the climate movement by the formidable vegetables they require to thrive instead of being deprived of the tools to survive in a biosphere too defiled to revive. You're listening to Earth Matters via the Community Radio Network. Today on Earth Matters, we're talking to Margaret Blakers. She stresses the importance of building a national forest campaign movement, working with Indigenous people in Australia to stop the logging, and she calls for a referendum on the environment, which would change the constitution to accurately reflect the high value Australians have for this beautiful land, rich in animals, plants, clean air, water and food, and press the government to deliver funding to protect these natural assets. The coalition government seems very fixed on transferring powers over what happens in the environment to the states. Can we stop this so that we have two layers of government, a better system of checks over this unique landscape which is going down the tube fast? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's political determination which the coalition government has, but it's got to get through Parliament. And at the moment it seems pretty certain that there will be an inquiry um, because enough of the crossbenchers plus the Greens plus Labor will oppose what the amendments that the government currently has put up in Parliament. There will be a parliamentary inquiry and we'll see what comes out of that. And we still also have to actually finish Professor Graham Samuel's inquiry. That's still going on and he's not due to report till October. So there's a lot of water to run under that bridge before the government gets its way, if it gets its way certainly won't get it in the way that it's currently hoping to do, which is simply a straight-out transfer without any kind of real uh, checks or balances whatsoever. The states are much more conflicted because they're the ones ultimately that benefit from mining, from logging and other extractive industries and also from development. Pushing it back to the states means almost automatically that the whole regime will be much more permissive than it otherwise would be. For example, the efforts to start up uranium mining in New South Wales would be effective? Uh, yeah, I would imagine. It, I mean, it depends on the actual form of anything that finally gets through. But yes, absolutely. Starting up uranium mines, uh, all the water issues. I mean, there's a whole vast array of gas, obviously, with all this push to extract gas from every corner of the continent. Um, every one of those proposals is going to be highly contentious and if it's all been pushed off to the states, the states have got no money and they profit from the extraction of gas on their territory, then 
you know, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen and what the government wants to happen. After last summer, there are so many places and species that need our help. What's next for forest campaigners? Well, we've got a number of court cases that are in train. There's the Victorian possums case. There's um, a new one just about to start in Tasmania. And all that and other things will have implications for logging across the country. And, well, essentially, I would say that the regional forest agreements are finished. And so that will face the government with some kind of decision about what it's going to do about forests. But the reality is, if you think about it from a company perspective, the challenges both in the courts but also on the ground from all these groups of really fantastic campaigners getting out in the bush, stopping logging, holding it up, asking questions, doing the citizen science, finding the critters, and all of that activity is basically saying to companies like Boral or like Nippon that runs Australian Paper or the ones in WA or Tasmania, you cannot any longer rely on the regional forest agreements to give you your sort of get out of jail free card in terms of having to comply with federal legislation. And I think for me, the key to making that stick, that the campaign has to be national as a means of pushing back to the Commonwealth its proper responsibility for the environment. And it has to be. I mean, it has to be on the desk of the Prime Minister of the country if koalas are going to be sent extinct, or swift parrots, or Carnaby's cockatoo, or any other creature. That is going to have to be a decision of the Prime Minister, not of individual state governments. So I think the key for forests and for the environment more broadly is that we need national responsibility to be clearly established. I think we need to make sure that we are working as harmoniously as possible with First Nations, with Indigenous people and the traditional owners, because it's about land and water, which is where they have absolute clear roles, responsibilities, rights and interests. And so we have to work together with First Nations people. And the third thing, I am keen on the idea of actually having a referendum to establish that the Commonwealth is responsible, should be responsible, must be responsible for Australia's environment. Now, it may take a decade to, to get there, and it's not the reason for saying we should, have, we should look at a referendum is not because the Commonwealth doesn't already have the power. It does. But the fact that the coalition is so perpetually wanting to get out from under, push it back to the states, means I think the, the answer to that is to say let's have a referendum and put it beyond doubt, make it clear that the Australian people have spoken and we want the Australian government, the national government, to be responsible for our environment. What is a referendum? A referendum is really asking the Australian people a question about what they want to happen in relation to the constitution. It's a way of amending the constitution. It's very difficult because you have to get a majority of the people as well as a majority of the states voting in favour of whatever the proposition is. So I have no illusions that it will be a difficult campaign, but I think the actual fact of the campaign brings the issues to the surface, puts focus on the question of the environment in a way that nothing else I can think of would really do that on a national basis. And as I said, it probably will take a decade to get there, but I think it's a way of really asserting what we want for our continent, the place we live and the environment we are responsible for. 
How is it decided if a referendum is going to happen? It needs to go through Parliament as a piece of legislation, so a bill to hold a referendum. A referendum would put it beyond doubt that the Commonwealth is responsible for Australia's environment. And I think the other thing that I haven't mentioned, of course, is the dollars. The environment doesn't look after itself. It costs money, and it's going to cost a lot of money to look after the bush properly. And when I say look after the bush, I mean forests, but I also mean water, I mean woodlands, I mean grasslands, I mean the entire natural environment. The gaslight recovery is really scary, Margaret. Look, I think it's not just scary, I think it's stupid. (laughs) It's not like it's going to appear today, tomorrow or next week. It's got to compete with solar and wind, renewable energy, which is way cheaper. And we'll fight it the same as we've been fighting Adani and every other destructive activity. So don't get downhearted about it. Get angry, get even. Margaret Blaker is calling for a referendum on the environment. And earlier in the show, thanks to Rosie and Jimmy from School Strike for Climate. If you are concerned that transferring responsibility for the environment from Commonwealth to the states will lead to vulnerable species and ecosystems facing even greater threats, do call your politician and let them know what you think. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Here's a bit more climate movement by Formidable Vegetables. This tumultuous juncture is a superstructure that can plug the puncture in a society of anxiety, confusion and greed. This really may be one solution we need to bring back our elementary essence of ethics and walk in earth care, people care, fair share epic. Now's the time to embed it while the temperature's tepid. Let us rise as a choir beside the people who get it to guarantee that our future generations' lives are provided the conditions they require to thrive instead of being deprived of the tools to survive in a biosphere too defiled to revive so we invite you now to amplify the synergy devise an inspired distinctive soliloquy combining with like minds an adaptable symphony of radical simplicity balance and symmetry whatever your ability we need